Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to a new episode of the Phoenix MMA Podcast. Um, thanks for checking in. I actually had just on the last one, I think, uh, was saying I was going to put more shorter ones, and it's been a little break, but um, got some stupid allergies, so apologies for that. And if you were in class this week and uh, I was grossing you out with the allergies, sorry about that. Hit me really, really bad, but uh, I'm better now. This is uh, like the most exp- exciting part of the year to me, springtime when the sun comes back out. But if you get some allergies that flare up for a week or so, a little bit annoying, but uh, but now um, got them under control, so all good. So new podcast episode. This is going to be a cool one, David versus Goliath, how to beat a big opponent. So this is a really common uh, asked question in jiu-jitsu. If you get on YouTube, you can probably find a million videos on it, and uh, hopefully I can give you my unique take on it because um, it is uh, – I started thinking about it earlier this week. I, I think about – little brand of jujitsu thoughts and stuff and um they were kind of like when i first started training my instructor was only a purple belt so a lot of these problems that i was trying to figure out i just had to solve and i didn't just solve them all by myself i had to go search for the answer um so hopefully i can help you out again little tip thing that i learned over time and uh, my instructor didn't necessarily have the answer. I had to get the answer from a lot of different pieces and then a lot of experience myself. So hopefully this will help you out and give you a tip uh, for the David versus Goliath matchups because you're going to have those in jiu-jitsu. It is part of the game. It is a cool part of jiu-jitsu. It's good that you go against opponents that are bigger than you and stronger than you. It's good for your character. It's good It's good for you. Um, so like everything, depending on timing, if you're going to a very specific weight class, you know you probably need to mostly compete with that weight class um but it's still good for you to um do and it's a common thing with jiu-jitsu uh because the strategies are different um things that you do against your weight class um are not the same techniques uh not the same strategy that you would do to somebody with a 50 pound weight class advantage an 80 pound weight class advantage uh are more than that so if you try to apply the same strategy you will have a hard time i, I have seen this for years um where good practitioners and good athletes themselves um, will they'll be very very good their weight class they can tear everybody apart in their weight class and then they'll go against someone of a, a higher weight class that their skill level is not really really good and they're they'll they'll have a hard time and you'll be like that's strange but then um, someone that they could beat at their same weight class they could easily defeat um, that person can easily beat the larger person so it comes down to style um, it's not just it's not just um, it's not as plain as just saying like you know oh it's the answer is not uh, one person just does better at the against the other person that's a simple answer to it but um peel back this podcast will be peeling back and explaining uh, the reasons for it so if you understand it you can uh learn uh learn how to build your um your goliath david versus goliath strategy and game plan because uh, it's different same same thing as if you go against somebody that's significantly faster than you but 20 pounds lighter um, you need to have a different strategy for that as well. But, um, yeah, so we got David versus Goliath on this one. So hopefully you enjoy this one. Um, uh, gonna do, I am just announcing this, just different podcast stuff. So just a couple little things, just announcements coming up. I'm going to do some more. People were saying they liked the interview. Um, we had Dustin Ortiz and we had Jamie Bryant. So we're going to have some more, uh, special guests. Um, I got a, 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 a good friend of mine that's a matchmaker and a fight man. Manager, 
um, for King of the Cage, and he, he in his wedding he had a UFC Hall of Famer uh, as his best man in his wedding, and he's he's been around the game forever and has managed so many UFC fighters and Strike Force fighters and Bellator fighters, and he's very very active. So uh, I'm trying to get a podcast with him coming up pretty soon. That will be one definitely that you want to check out because uh, also a very interesting person. So it will be a good one to listen to. Um, I have a retired fighter, a good friend who is just um, just interesting. I have a lot of retired fighter uh, friends that are very, very interesting people, and they have their own uh, particular look at the MMA game, and uh, especially like in Tennessee and Nashville, um, a lot of uh, um, a lot of good friends that that were here when jujitsu first started, like when the UFC UFC first started, like you know, 1993. Um, and it was, the training was much different than it is now. So going to have some of that, uh, those people, some of my friends on, and, uh, I think you'll enjoy them. You can learn some good stuff and, uh, hopefully have a, a psychologist on, uh, pretty soon as well to go over some, how the body learns different, uh, things, um, different types of therapies and hopefully to explain a little bit of, um, uh, the, the how your body uh, kind of integrates and remembers things or, or how um, physical stimulus affects your body uh, in different ways. So I'm going to try to bring some new uh, cool podcast ideas. So hopefully everybody likes it. And, um, and, uh, and the, all this stuff, you know, I hope, I hope everybody enjoys it. It's a, uh, it's really, really fun to do, but sometimes setting it up or doing it, um, it's still, you know, it still requires energy, but, um, I, if it's cool, cool things to do, then it's not so bad. So I'm going to try to keep doing fun, uh, entertaining ones or things that, um, that, uh, are fun. So anyway, thanks for downloading the podcast and listening. So appreciate you taking the time and, uh, thanks to all subscribers also. So going to keep on trying to do cool things, new stuff too. So help everybody out at the gym, um, make it entertaining as well. So, um, uh, Oh, last one, last one. It's like a commercial reel or something. Uh, I think I'm going to do, uh, I think I'm going to do it. I don't know if anybody will buy it or if anybody will, you know, maybe, maybe a couple people, a handful of people, but whoever wants it. And I just want to do it cause it's a personal thing that I want to do. Um, but I think I'm going to write a book. Uh, I'm thinking about calling it a tournament prep manual. Um, cause a lot of things, uh, when it comes to strategy and stuff, um, a lot of things are, like philosophical, but also it's nice to have a practical manual for how to get ready for a tournament. Um, so I, I could, I have, I know I can do it. Um, just going to write that. So at some point I'll announce when that's coming out. So if anybody wants one, I'm going to, but I want, I want to write, um, at least a couple books. So I think I'm going to start on that pretty soon. So, um, yeah, anyway, so something, some little things working on. So, um, and we have a tournament tomorrow, a grappling games. We have lots of people competing as well. So we're, we're busy. We're going to be doing good stuff. So, uh, but now we'll get down to it. So, um, uh, David versus Goliath, you're going to get somebody bigger. How do you, how do you beat a bigger opponent? All right. So I'm going to try to get through this podcast as soon as I can. I thought it was going to be a really short one. And then once I started writing, um, I couldn't even put everything down because I, the limit that I can go on my podcast is an hour long. Um, so I have to, uh, have to shorten it. So I'll probably bring this topic up multiple times, but I'm going to squeeze in as much as I can. Um, cause when I started writing, there was way more content that, than I, than I even thought was going to be there. I always do notes before the podcast. So, um, so got a couple, uh, we'll just go through number one. All right. You got to, so number one, this one's going to sound weird. It's a little bit different, you know, and people do not. This is one that I find people do not feel comfortable with at all. Um, n- most people don't. It's a weird mindset. Just, 
you know, try to digest it, see, see what you think about it. Um, I think it will actually help you out, but it's difficult. You have to be really, really clear and really balanced to keep it. Um, you have to have a really, really clear, sharp view of, uh, reality. So, um, you gotta have a real mindset. Number one, um, understand like on this, like David versus Goliath, I was going to put under it, like how to beat your physical superior. And when that first popped up, it, it made me think in my head, I was like, okay, a lot of people, this is something like people's ego get in their way. Um, oftentimes, like if you were to even a lot of people, it's a silly mindset, I think, but a lot of people will not admit that if somebody's their, their superior, like a, like a physical superior, somebody's uh, stronger than you or faster than you. Um, so I don't want you to be negative. You still have to be optimistic. You still have to believe in yourself. You have to have high levels of self-belief or it's not going to work, but you also have to have a realistic, uh, view on reality. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I work security in bars. I see it all the time. Um, but it's, it's not a normal thing. Like there's this mindset of most people that they want to talk about, like, you know, we don't take any L's or, you know, da 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 nobody, you know, all this stuff. Um, it's okay if somebody is your physical superior, um, to, to acknowledge it. Uh, and it's actually going to help you out. Um, and I'll explain it. I know it sounds weird, but, um, it, you know, it, to be able to do this, it, it requires being humble and having a gr- firm grip on reality uh, it's very difficult, but it's going to help you strategize, and it's going to help you improve your weaknesses as well. Um, being uh, overly optimistic or being delusional about what your weakness, strengths, and weaknesses are is, does, does not help you out. Um, it's better to be confident and act, but if you have huge weaknesses that you need to work on, um, being overconfident is, is also a, a, a thing that's going to mess you up. So remaining humble and uh, having having this clear look, it's going to be hard. You have to focus on it. And uh, I mean, you have to also, it's difficult because it, it might hurt your feelings. Like if you have to acknowledge somebody stronger than you or faster than you, um, I think that's why most people don't acknowledge it because uh, it's, a, it's a sense of self-esteem thing. Um, but uh, the, the 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 way that you protect your self esteem is that you have to you have to understand that's not the end of the story. If somebody's stronger than you or faster than you or smarter than you or fast you know anything like this, um, there's still first you have to understand there's still ways that you you can succeed or you can win. Um, there's there's still things ways that you can succeed or win even if that's the case. And then also you're not stuck in a certain place. You can make yourself stronger or faster or smarter, um, with, uh, with diligence and practice. So, um, you just got to tell yourself that same, that the full story so that it doesn't, um, hurt your, um, you know, make you too insecure, um, and make you not be optimistic. So, uh, let's see back to notes. Um, yeah, it's the opposite of what a lot of normal people think. Uh, or their public narrative is I don't take L's like this is a common will say like I like meaning like you never lose it's like everybody loses there's nothing wrong with losing losing is actually how you get good like everybody has to pay the losing tax like price uh, depending on the time in their life some people learn the lesson very very early some people wait till their 20s some people their 30s sometimes uh, people never experience it at all but you 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 have to start out not being good at something you don't start out being good at it um, and, and losing actually can really motivate you and help you. And it's, it redirects you in the path how it's, you know, it's like, it's a course 
correction every time you lose. Um, so, but most people, most when I like again work in security and bars, I hear it all the time. And now the thing I'll say that with that as well is most of those people aren't actually competing. They're not actually doing anything. They're not going and doing a daily practice. They're not putting themselves in uncomfortable positions. The most uncomfortable position that they're in is their sports team or you know whatever fill in the blank something that they support that they like. Uh, it's going out there and putting itself on the line. But um, it's um, it's it's much different when you're on the mats and you're getting choked, you're getting armbarred, or you're getting double legged, or you're getting kicked in the head, or you're getting punched in the body, or you're going out into a cage and you're fighting with nothing but a pair of shorts on in front of your family members and, and all these people around, or you're flying across the country to go do a huge tournament and people are screaming and going crazy in the crowd and there's blow horns and there's lights and there's cameras and all these good, all this fun stuff. Or let's say, again, rewind all the competition you're just going to class every single day um and you're and you're feeling either victory or defeat um sometimes just defeat sometimes a mix um every single day as opposed to just going home after you get off work and sitting on the couch um and watching tv so um yeah anyway that's my my soapbox on that uh, uh thing on the, the the weird narrative um uh so now it, it why it's okay um oh wait so i got i had a couple more little things um yeah saying i like is you, you can't fake seasoning uh and you can't you can't fake wisdom either so same thing when it comes like seasoning like skill um and being able to uh, to to apply techniques under pressure or under stress and competition or in the gym or against difficult opponents you can't fake it that's one of the best things about jiu-jitsu or boxing or kickboxing you can't fake it you know it's it's um your words really don't mean very much. It, it comes out very clearly. Um, you, you'll definitely be exposed if you try to fake it in the martial arts world. Um, that's one of the really cool things about it. But um, but it's not bad to understand that somebody could be your superior in some way. Um, honestly, there's always going to be somebody that's uh, smarter, faster, stronger, quicker, younger, hungrier. Um, but if you can self-analyze um, and... If you can self-analyze, it will. It's. I think it might be harder to self-analyze and analyze other people. We can usually pick people's weaknesses and strengths pretty easily, but ourselves, um, we kind of put a blind spot in ourselves. So, but if you can self-analyze, it doesn't mean break yourself down and just destroy yourself. Um, it's going to give you the opportunity to know what you need to work on, what are your strengths and weaknesses, um, and then how can you how can you minimize your exposure of your weaknesses, or how can you how can you maximize the the benefit of of your advantages that you have your things that you're good at because everybody's good at different things everybody's uh there's there's no one that's good at just everything across the board uh, i've never met anybody in brazilian jiu-jitsu or wrestling that would say that that every one of their techniques are all at a 98 out of 100 points percentage skill wise they they would they would give they would tell you they know their weak spots um high level uh fighters and practitioners um because they self-analyze constantly um but um, but it, it it so it helps you work on your weaknesses. But it's also um, when you can identify your opponent's advantages, you'll also be able to uh, ident- identify their weaknesses um, if if you study long enough. And um, the biggest thing on the why you want a clear clear view of it is um, let's just say you're going against somebody who is thirty five percent stronger than you, just pure horsepower, thirty five percent stronger than you, but you happen to be um, faster and have more stamina and um and you make a mistake of you have a 10 minute match and or fight and you go blitzkrieg and you sprint for the first three minutes of the match the first three minutes of the match your opponent who has that 35 percent 40 percent strength increase over and you 
over you is going to have, that's when they're going to be at their highest, uh, their strength is going to be at its highest. Um, so, so why would you try when you have less strength to go strength against strength uh, or in, during that open time? It's not a smart strategy to do. Um, but the thing is that if you're not real with yourself and you don't, you don't acknowledge that that person's 35% stronger than you, then you, you go into it arrogant and you try to muscle them and then you end up gassing yourself out um, and you, you lose your advantage of your cardio and your speed because you literally don't use it. You throw it away for no reason. Um, it's really silly. It happens to a lot of people too. So if you mess up on your reading or you're strategizing against an opponent or you just don't think about it at all, it can happen to you. That's one example of it. Um, but, it, you know, so, okay, so with this, like, just a couple examples here because um, it's got different topics to go to. But I got, I just, just off the top of my head, I put three different little, uh, I guess you could say, um, skill archetypes for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that you're going to run into or MMA. Um, you got the Young Alpha the old school technician and the overconfident Achilles. Um, so just quick things on this a little strategy bonus. Um, if you, if you like strategy, so what I would call a young alpha, the young alpha is going to be, you know, 17, 18, 19. Um, and they're going to be somebody who's trained since they were, you know, eight years old, nine years old, um, 12 years old, something like that. And they are going to be really, really good. They're going to have really high level, um, energy, like limitless cardio. Um, the strength value is going to be a little bit lower no matter what the, the poundage or the weight. Um, cause your strength doesn't fully develop when you're, you know, you're 17 or 19. Um, you're, you can still be very strong at that age, but they're, they're not at their strength peak. Um, strategy and, and, uh, strategy will be, um, at, at a, at a low point, um, just because not enough experience and still just young, um, still haven't had enough time to study and still figuring out strategy. Um, that's why at that age you definitely need a really really good coach with uh, that can strategize. Um, uh, but essentially against that young alpha, um, they're going to come at you um, uh, like uh, very aggressive. Um, they're it's going to be hard to to make them tired, but a strategy you could use would be to set traps for them, um, to not try to go speed or strength with their strength, um, to literally, it would be to frustrate them. Um, so if they have all this energy and they want to move and they want to be very aggressive, a smart strategy would be to slow them down and um, and and try to find ways to actually frustrate them and annoy them. Now they need to be inside the rule set and they still need to be viable fighting techniques, you know, like don't, don't just grab their gi and wrap it around their eyes to blindfold them. It's like, let's think about we're actually fighting here. Um, but, uh, there, there are techniques you could definitely do to somebody to slow them down and frustrate them at the same time, still be very, very effective, um, with fighting and depending on like half guard top, how you could control uh, the body. You could like Habib's really, really good at this nullifying hips, um, nullifying hips and, and, um, uh, nullifying hips in a way that's very frustrating, even though it doesn't necessarily constantly finish you, um, you know, but damage is accruing or positional, um, uh, positions are accruing on you, getting better position, and it's slowly wearing you down. So that's a smart strategy against that young, that young alpha with a lot of energy. Um, I used to be that young. I used to be the young alpha, like high high level practitioner, high school level, and um, and I had people do this to me, so I got to feel it firsthand. Um, it was very smart. Um, then we got the uh, the old old school technician. Uh, the old school technician um, is going to be somebody. You know, they've been training jujitsu for quite a long time and um their main weakness is uh it's not that it's uh their main weakness is not staying updated with jujitsu necessarily because it's not necessarily something where you have to do the most 
modern day techniques. Um, the the core fundamentals of jiu-jitsu um, will work across time. Like, you know, people are like freaking out about heel hooks and stuff now. It's like, this is, it, it is like, this is like modern area, big, big, big time leg lock stuff. But um, people have been leg locking for a long time now. It, it was not as mainstream as it is, but it's still Ryan Hall was like at least 10 years, 10 years, 12 years ahead of the curve. Like Ryan Hall's not old school, old school. Um, so there are differences here, but um, you don't have to necessarily be able to Baron Bolo and be the best Baron Bolo person. Um, but the the old school technician, like uh, a strategy you could use against them, like this is going to be somebody that, Okay, so we thought about that young alpha. Like, there will always be somebody that's like better than you, something like that. They're faster, they're stronger than you, and they're quicker and they're younger. Okay, um, and uh, maybe the hungrier too, because that's going to mess up their strategy. How hungry they are, they'll be uh, attack you really aggressive. Um, but the old school technician, um, they're probably going to be smarter than you. Um, they're going to be smarter than you and they're going to be faster than you, not necessarily always physically, but they're going to be faster than you in transitions. And, uh, that is going to affect it's a, it's a, that's a different type of speed. It's not just a, a sprinting speed. It's a speed in between cycling. Uh, it's a, it's a mental speed cycling in between transitions. So, um, you need to understand that. Um, the thing about the old school technician is, um, it's gonna, it's gonna use a lot of techniques that, uh, let's see, let's see. How to put this? Use a lot of techniques that that can be frustrated. Uh, the blueprint on how to frustrate the technique has been well documented. Um, so techniques do get outdated. They do over time. Some of them do not. Some of them are tried true. Um, but there's always when it, you know whether if you follow jujitsu in the '90s, there's good stuff and there's bad stuff. Jujitsu in 2001 to 2010, there's good stuff and there's bad stuff. And every 10 years, there's always going to be quality and there's going to be you know n- not quality. Um, but the thing is, if you were learning jujitsu in the '80s and you just stick with '80s jujitsu or the '90s, you just stick with '90s jujitsu. The problem is you're you're your your if you your allegiance to the time period um might cause you to stick on with a technique that's not actually optimal there might be a better technique um so if you if you run into that competitor um you if you the next part when i go to the study there's going to be some holes there's going to be some techniques that are outdated some of them are going to be very solid old school techniques work very good very well, um, but there there are definitely some Brazilian te- Jiu-Jitsu techniques to just get outdated. Better things are formed, or the position is not very well evolved or worked out or created, and then just the whole Jiu-Jitsu community is like engineers and architects, and, and we're constantly um, adding to it and adjusting it. So um, that's another one. Um, and then the over the overconfident Achilles, the overconfident Achilles, almost similar to the young alpha male, um, but the overconfident Achilles, I'd say, would be a little bit older. Um, you know, twenty three to 30 um maybe around there and and this is like the really really good athlete this is uh, let's say george st pierre when matt sarah knocked him out um you know i'm the overconfident achilles uh, george st pierre is a very humble person but still admitted that to being overconfident and not taking the mats the first matt sarah fight properly and that you know spells spells disaster um you know you could even say conor mcgregor against his first nate me uh, sorry nate diaz fight you could say put in that category as well um their overconfident achilles is very good it's very fast it's very sharp it's very smart um is very skillful is strong literally has everything on the, the the list just about going for that that person they're very good except for they're not very humble um you know like 
you'll you'll meet somebody that's more humble than you or less humble than you and uh and the overconfidence achilles um uh if you um you can again if you become overconfident and you're not humble you will miss out on your uh weakness so the achilles just like the achilles heel um there's everybody has a uh a, a weakness um the overconfident achilles um may the reason why they're set up for a fall and the Achilles is that um they think they don't have a weakness they don't perceive a weakness at all and they're not looking for it maybe they're not being uh clear enough with themselves on their self assessment and uh and if you can find that weakness then you can utilize it and uh and you can you know Matt Sarah versus George St. Pierre like have the up upset of the century um for mixed martial arts and uh there's more examples of that in combat sports of course but just a quick one reference so um See, so yeah, mindset. Done with that now. Number two, study. Okay, try to go faster through these, not ramble as much. Study. Um, so the person or people that are larger than you, the Goliath, um, the body type. The, it's not just one individual person. It's the body type. It's the movement patterns. It's the skill. It's the, the techniques that that weight class likes to use. A Goliath for somebody could be 185. Another Goliath for somebody else could be 225. Another Goliath could be 300 or 350. Um, there's different types of Goliaths. It's to you, to your body size. If you're 130 or 150 or 180 or et cetera, whatever it is. You know, Noguera was fighting Goliath when he was still like, you know, low 200s you know he was it was our let's say like 235 229 somewhere around there in pride in his in his prime um was a small uh heavyweight but fighting really really big people you know 300 pounders 350 pounders uh 400 pounders uh 500 pounders or 400 pounders i think was a big zulu but um that yeah so goliath is different for each person but you want to study uh the body type and the the techniques because you got to be educated you got to know you want to study the style what techniques are used and then you want to study the habits habits are not just techniques habits are automatic responses to a certain stimulus so a takedown a shot what's the reaction a hard a hard punch to the chin what's the reaction um a submission threat like an armbar what's the reaction is it a technical escape or do they start bucking and jumping and flipping like reliant you know what is it so um yeah you want to identify the strong techniques strong techniques of the of the person um and then you want to identify the weak techniques uh, nobody's perfect everybody has strengths and weaknesses it's just your job if you're studying to find it you know if you had a match coming up and uh you're getting an absolute division and and you could uh study your your opponents uh, even if they all had 60 70 pounds on you um Again, that's it's really really hard in absolute division to be a smaller person to be the small person win the whole division, um, but everybody has strengths, everybody has weaknesses, so you still have to study just like normal studying tape. Uh, a really good resource for you that helps you out. Um, it helps you give you you know you can come up with your own mental strategy, but really watching somebody else act it out. Um, one, it serves as like a role model, like representation, and and also it, it will uh, it will let you know that it's possible and it's real. Um, so you want to definitely watch the the world championships, the absolute divisions. You want to watch um, pro matches, like certain pro matches, uh, like Jacques Ray versus Damian Maya is a great one. Like uh, Damian Maya just is just a technician on Jacques Ray. Like this, it would be a great. It's a great example of how do you beat somebody um, when you are more technical. Um, but they're they are also super technical, um, super smart, great at strategy, great athlete, 
faster than you, stronger than you, quicker than you. And Damian Maya um, versus Jacare is a great match to watch because Damian Maya really uh, puts it to Jacare. Jacare is my favorite. Damian Maya is my favorite. But it's a great example if you watch that match. It's a cool, it's a cool match. Good example of this. Um, and uh, and when you see it, when you see it done in match, and you go, aha, there we go. And not only that, you kind of learn uh, the 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 mindset. Um, you have to keep the if if you're going to try to beat a Goliath, someone bigger, you have to be really cool and calm and collected. If you start stressing out, you start gassing out, and you lose your confidence and things won't believe. But when you watch Marcelo Garcia going against heavy uh, heavyweights, um, pay attention to his face. Um, when you when you you know I'll. I'm going to go through people that you would stubby right here. Marcelo Garcia, definitely one you got to check. Pay attention to his face as he's rolling uh, or competing. Uh, the Mendez brothers, Rafael, Galerba Mendez, check both of them. Same thing, their face. Check it when they're rolling in the gym with Andre, Andre Gaval or with Luke Rockhold. Like, check it out. You can find those videos on YouTube for free. Um, the Meow brothers, same thing. You can watch uh, Meow rolling with Henza Gracie and then John Fitch as well. Pay attention to their face. Um, and then also pay attention to their techniques that they're using as well. But there's a lot for you to get in those. Uh, Genki Sudo, one of my favorite of all time. Genki Sudo, you can, if you want to see some fun stuff like strategy, mindset, all come on. Check out some Genki Sudo versus Butterbean. Um, it's a, it's, it will not disappoint you if you look that video up. It's uh, it's one of my coolest ones. When I Genki Sudo was one of my favorite fighters when I first started training, and I really got into MMA when I was in high school. Um, he had a lot of a lot of good things, but he would he would he was about one fifty five and would fight you know everybody different weight classes. It was one of the reasons why I like BJ Penn as well as BJ you know should have fought at forty five or fifty five. His whole career, and uh, you know would f- fought all the way as high as Lyoto Machida at heavyweight. Um, and uh, lost by decision, but was a game fight. Like, you know, BJ's past his prime now. It's kind of a shame because uh, the, we're seeing the, the decline of BJ Penn. But uh, in his prime, he was really something special. Um, study Hoist Gracie. He, he, like, really watching UFC 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 uh, is good for you to see. Um, watch some Hoist Gracie. The, the tempo that he goes at, the timing that he goes at, the techniques he has to use. Jiu-Jitsu wasn't that well developed back then, um, but it will... It'll give you a it'll give you a good look. Um, it's a, a especially against an opponent that really doesn't know anything yet. An opponent who's sixty pounds heavier than you or fifty pounds heavier than you and is good at jujitsu like a purple belt. That match is completely different than somebody who's sixty pounds heavier than you and it's their first or second day of class. Like watching those old school UFCs and watching how Hoist Gracie dealt with um, just the 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 randomness street fighter like whatever like. Uh, that it's good to watch. Um, it will help you. There are some good lessons in it. And then uh, you definitely got to check out Minotaur Noguera. N- uh, Noguera, just awesome. Some of the best things, you know, going against, um, oh no, oh no, the actual giant. Um, the actual giant. Uh, I can't think of his name right now. It's Pride. It was a Japanese fighter. And I believe that he, I think he was maybe seven feet tall. Um, I don't want to say the wrong name, so just I'm drawing a blank here. Um, but Bob Sapp as well, Bob Sapp, 350 pounds, uh, huge, huge. Um, there's a lot of documentation about the steroid usage that that Warren Sapp uh, apparently uh, partook in and was just huge. You know, 350 pounds, Noguera, again, like 230. Um, 
Uh, let's see. Um, uh, going against Zulu as well. I think Zulu might have been 400 pounds, uh, but really tall, like, uh, I don't know, 6'8 or something, 400 pounds, something like that. Uh, Noguera fought a bunch of giants. He fought Semi Shilt. I think Semi Shilt was 7 foot tall or 6 foot 11, 12, uh, or 6 foot 11. Um, and Semi Shilt was a really good uh, K1, was a champion, K1 kickboxer. Um, so you definitely want to watch uh, again. So for, you know, it's like uh, Noguera is like 6 foot 3. Um, 230, and you would not think that's a small person until the your opponent is seven foot tall, 285 or 300. Um, so uh, definitely good. All all those people, um, if you look up and watch uh, five matches a piece of them, and uh, definitely especially Marcelo Garcia, uh, Genki Sierra, Horse Gracie, and Noguera. Um, uh, because the older school jujitsu and MMA, uh, there were less less weight class and less rules, so you kind of got to see that a little bit more often. They do less. They used to call them on Sure Dog. They called them the freak show events. So um, a lot of MMA uh, for it to become legal in such a mainstream sport, that was one of the things they had to take away was the quote freak show events where you had a hundred. You know, Genki Sudo is one hundred fifty five pounds versus Butterbean. I don't know how much Butterbean weighed, but. And uh, and I'm not gonna spoiler spoiler alert that match because I want you to watch it. It's it's a it's a cool match. It's not very long. It is it's cool. Um, and and when people saying oh leg locks are here, it's like man, watch some Genki Sudo, um, old school Genki Sudo. So uh, yeah, we got study. So we're done with study. Number three, number three, getting there. Uh, physical. Okay, uh, the physical components. All right, this would be my best advice I could give you. Uh, the quickest stuff, trying to not make this podcast too long, but the best advice I could give to you, really quick, on your physical stuff. First piece, the most important one I would give. That's that's really basic and it's, but will really help you. It's very practical. You want to weaponize cardio. Okay, you want to weaponize cardio. This maybe be the best physical asset that I could give you. Weaponize cardio. No matter what, no matter how strong somebody is, no matter how big they are. When they run out of oxygen, they the the machine does not operate anymore. Like even if you're let's let's go nerd mode and we're thinking about comic books or some um, some Japanese anime or something with um, uh, the mechs, like big uh, machine, like big exoskeleton suits that characters get in these you know anyway little nerd cartoon things, but big mechs. Um, uh, that that mech is uh, you know it has rocket launchers super strong everything but if it has no fuel it's it's literally worthless it doesn't move it doesn't do anything um, so like think about this when it comes to going against a Goliath um, you have to weaponize cardio meaning your cardio has to be really really good and you have to make them work you have to make them work you don't try to engage like a strength for strength battle you make them move you make them work you make them adjust even if that is sweeping a little bit to the left side so they got to balance or moving to the other side or breaking posture or uh pressure on uh, uh if you're on top like how tight your pressure is and disrupting breathing and and again being um uh, multiple attacks like I would think uh, I used to like I had a training partner uh, Bill Fay I think Bill was about 315 uh, when he, he was a purple belt I think I was a purple belt at the same time maybe a blue belt or sorry purple belt and brown belt but he was a purple belt and um, and I was competing I was winning the you know Brazilian Nationals and the European Open and I ended up winning the World Championships at 141 pounds so I was walking around about 138 and when I would go with Bill he was about 315 it was purple belt Bill was and he was really really strong um, he would you know he worked out in the mornings with Titans player Frank Wycheck and he'd talk about how much they were squatting like you know 500 pounds and stuff he was just crazy crazy strong 
And uh, and Bill's a good guy. Luckily, like you know, he he would be careful to not just you know break your ankle or something like by falling on it the wrong way. But um, he's a really strong guy, really big guy, and uh, so strong that one time when I rolled with him, that's how I learned a lot of these mistakes is rolling with Bill. One time I rolled with Bill, and when I was in turtle position, I didn't turtle. Instead, I tried to lay out flat, my belly on the mat. I tried to like kind of crawl away. I thought I thought it was a strategy. I was like, all right, maybe I'll be able to get out from underneath Bill. Um, in this spot, when I did, because my belly was just laying on the mat with him on top of me, 315 pounds, and the dimensions he had, I think Bill was maybe 6'3", something like that. So he was very, I mean, like a golem, like a really strong guy, a, a Hulk. Um, I could feel my rib cage compressing. I was like 138, 139, depending on the day. And I could feel my rib cage compressing that it was going to just smash, like it was going to compress and, and break on me just from his weight and his pressure driving on top of me. He had really, really good pressure, really good side control pressure. I feel like it could break your neck, like I guess. It probably could break your neck with a side control pressure, at least break your collarbone. Um, but um I quickly had to like fight up to turtle and Brent and I, that's when I learned the value of why you put your elbows on the inside of your knees and your knees are resting on the outside of your elbows and your triceps and you're shelled up. Like the turtle is an absolutely necessary thing at some times. Like at that point, my rib cage would have broke. Once I got to a correct technical turtle position, um, there was, it was fine. My human body could hold uh, an uh, enormous amount of weight. That's one of the coolest things about jujitsu is that if you go against somebody who is that Goliath, it will distill your jujitsu and make it very technical. It will clean up your stuff because you can get away with stuff against people, your same weight class that you can't get away with, uh, against a physical sphere. Um, so it's good for you. Don't, don't ignore those training partners as long as they're not, um, you know, prone to injuring, uh, people, you know, by, by doing silly, not, you know, just silly, stupid things. Um, but with Bill, um, from just getting smashed with him over and over and over, I eventually learned that if I wanted to roll with Bill and I wanted to have success, um, I needed to weaponize cardio. So if we were having a five-minute match, um, you know, let's say Bill preferred gi over no gi as well. I think no gi is a little bit easier for the, the less weight class. It's easier to get to leg attacks. It's easier to get to neck attacks. And the ankles and neck, even on a very, very large person, both are very susceptible. It's harder to attack shoulder locks like Kimura's and things like that just arm bars because upper body gets so strong but the neck and the ankle are still both small things that you can uh the smaller person can attack with high success rate um but with gi it's a little bit tougher um because the, the larger person has the the heavier weight class person has an advantage when it comes to gi because they can hold the smaller person and not allow them to move as much but so what i had to utilize with that with the big gi training is i started learning uh spider guard i started really working on spider guard and my strategy if it was five minute round or a six minute round or whatever it was my strategy was I for the first three minutes I didn't care if I landed any attacks at all any I would attack Bill with as many spider guard attacks as I could for three minutes I'm talking about like attack block attack block attack 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 break for five seconds attack 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 break for 10 seconds attack attack a readjustment attack and that's very difficult to do. Like I said, you got to weaponize your cardio. You have to hit your cardio really, really great. Um, uh, but when you do that, the, the, uh, what I would do is for the first three minutes, I would throw rapid fire attacks. And again, about that two and a half minute mark, three minute mark. I've done this with kickboxing as well with really heavy hitters and people with just way more muscle than me. Um, you know, the first, first minute, first two minutes, I just block or slip or try to defend 
everything to try to be available for them to throw strikes um, to let them gas themselves out. Um, and if they don't get themselves gas themselves out, then you are landing your attack, your spider guard attack, or you are landing, you know, a quick one, two on their chin. Um, but that, that's an example of how you weaponize cardio. So with these uh, around that three minute mark, then, then your things start becoming successful. And if you can effectively gas the, the Goliath, once the Goliath is gassed, they're still big. There's still a huge body to move around, but they are movable and they are attackable and they you, they are finishable. You can choke or arm lock or, you know, when it comes to strikes, finish with strikes as well. Um, but you need to weaponize cardio. You need to you need to get rid of that strength advantage, um, and you do that by draining their gas tank. Um, last thing I'll say on physical is you do need to get stronger. This might sound I'm you know I'm being practical and real with you. Um, you're gonna if you're gonna be going against a stronger opponent, it might highlight that you and yourself need to get stronger. If you're not weight training, if you're not you know you can do any weight training you want. Kettlebells, um, powerlifting, CrossFit. There are a lot of different systems that work really well. Um, but you need to be you if um, that might be something you want your body to be physically stronger. You're not going to overpower them. Like if you're 150 pounds and they're 240, you're not going to actually overpower them. But you need your body at its peak strength and you need to be working on it just so that you can still apply. You still have to be strong enough um, to effectively apply techniques. Like the, It multiplies your strength. The leverage and the skill of a technique multiplies your strength. Um, but still, increasing your, your base level strength is still a good thing. It's not bad at all. And, um, and also for, for your armor. Um, the more that you strength, strength, strengthen your body, it, it acts like armor. Um, you're less likely to get injured. Like, you know, I've dislocated shoulders. Uh, I've dislocated both shoulders, and lots of times I've dislocated my shoulders. It was from being uh, a little bit too small. I wasn't lifting. Um, I, I wasn't lifting, and I was dropping my weight really, really low, and then training with heavier uh, opponents, heavier weight class opponents, and I was just at just I was just too small, like 238. You don't need to be going with 250 pound, or sorry, 138. I don't need to be sparring with 250 pound partners that often because I was too I was too small. I was too small um, uh, for for my frame. I was I was forced uh, starving myself to get at a really really low point. So um, yeah, I, sh- I have dislocated uh, both of my shoulders. Um, but and the more that I weight train and the stronger my body is, it's um it's not that I'm pushing big people around, but my body's more durable, so um, to, so it protects you, your armor. Uh, after physical, we got technique. All right, number four, technique. We're getting close. So technique is obviously, uh, technique's going to be the most important part of your game, but your technique's going to change when you're going against a Goliath. It just is. Um, you know, watching Horace Gracie, Genki Sudo, Marcel Garcia is going to give you some tips on it, or it's going to start showing you some patterns, some tried and true, like, blueprint ways to do it. Um, Damian Mai versus Jacques Ray as well. Um, but technique's going to be the most important part of your game. Um, if you don't use the correct techniques, you are not going to win. It's not the same as going against the same weight class opponent. There are going to be techniques like, or I'm going to go into that in just a second. So uh, you're going to have to be able to chain. You're going to have to be able to chain multiple techniques. Uh, the first one probably won't work. Think about batting averages. So it's just part of it. Like I was telling you, Bill Fay, attack, attack, attack. Think about batting average. Like you know, um, nobody's hitting the ball 100% of the time, or I, I don't even know if anybody uh, like people aren't hitting 95% of the time. Um, so you're going to have to have multiple attacks. Uh, the harder the opponent you go against, your, your batting average goes even lower or your completion, uh, average goes even lower. Um, don't let it upset you or anything. If somebody blocks a move, it's all right. You just reset and try again. Um, but your technique's going to have to be good. Um, yeah, you're going to, you're going to have to be able to, 
you're going to have to understand the techniques that you're doing inside and out. Uh, the, yeah, the difficulty of application against a larger person uh, is higher, so it's going to be harder for you to do it. So you need to have better understanding of it. You do that through repeti- repetition, drilling, and then application while you're sparring, attempting application. and uh, You have to be good at what you're using. Like, you know, basic, basic common sense there. You got to be, uh, yeah, you got to be good at what you're using. Uh, you want to utilize techniques. And here's a, here's the thing with the technical aspect that should help you out. You want to utilize techniques that, that, that use like three, that use four verse one or three verse one, uh, limb attacks, you know, like a rent and choke. Um, you got both arms, you got your upper body, your shoulders, your neck, everything squeezing on just the neck. Um, you want to use things like, the a good example is a Kimura. Kimura is a tougher one um, because they have a little bit more body body uh, space. Uh, or sorry, more of their body is inside the lock, so they're going to be stronger. But you know, straight ankle lock, uh, chokes, rinnika choke, guillotine. Good examples of teaming up where you get a whole lot of joints or a whole lot of ligaments against a single uh, target. You know, all jujitsu techniques are like that, but like omoplata and kimura, they are a little bit tougher. And omoplatas are still, I, I don't want to say that, the omoplatas are still good against heavyweights. They're very good, or against really people way bigger than you. They're still really good. They're very good sweeps. They're actually very good sweeps, and they help you get around the corner because that's another strategy I did not put in this. Um, do not, uh, I forgot about putting this into my notes, but do uh, really, really want to think about back takes as well. So one of Marcella Garcia's big things that help out with that is um, no, some sweeps are difficult to, to sweep from left to right or right to left. Um, uh, with uh, a Goliath, you want to focus on back takes. Um, it's one of your advantages is because you're smaller, you're going to be able to kind of sneak and crawl around, um, but you're not going to be able to lift as well. Like lifting like a, jacking up a, like a jack, jacking up a car, you're, those type of sweeps are going to be harder to do because of the weight class difference but crawling around your opponent uh, arm drags uh, arm drags and baron bolo is taking the back baron bolo be careful when you're inverting against somebody way heavier than you not necessarily that but back takes uh, back take techniques uh work um good as well so extra little tip uh that i didn't think of um yeah the four verse one or three verse one um this is going to help you out cycle like which techniques you want to use against heavier opponents or against the goliath and uh it's going to be really hard to do one you know one v one techniques like just an easy really simple example is like you're on top guard or bottom guard and you just grab your opponent's wrist and you just push it away from their body Against your same weight class, that works. You know that works depending on how you're positioned and depending, you know, if you have inside control and you get to it first. Against a heavyweight, even if you have inside control, I say heavyweight, somebody that's heavy for you, much bigger than you. Even if you have the inside control, you might not be able to push it all the way out. It might be like you stiff arm doesn't really push it anywhere, but then you move the rest of your body around and then you attack with your other three limbs. You're, you know, if your right arm swishing it out, you attack with your right leg, left left leg and left arm so and then the you're using the right hand like if you're trying to do an over triangle you're using the right hand to stiff arm more you're not really pushing it away so um just a little tip on technical things to look at uh how to filter through what you want um i would go into that it's just we're 46 minutes in and uh and there's thousands hundreds of thousands of techniques so just a tip when you're looking through them uh you can see um what they re- rely on you doing. If there's a lot of one-to-one ratio stuff, that's going to be difficult. It's going to be more weight class dependent technique. Um, if you have multiple limbs uh, attacking a single or manipulating a single, then it will help. It'll translate better to uh, matchups against uh, bigger opponents. And uh, let's see. I think 
think we're at the end. Yeah, last one. Um, a chip. Uh, this one is uh, you got to have a chip on your shoulder, and and also remain optimistic. So you got to have a chip on your shoulder, and you got to be optimistic. This is the one that's a little bit tough, like the first one to keep. Um, the chip on your shoulder is you just have to, you know, if you're getting an absolute division or you're going against people with a weight class advantage, you need to be thinking of it um, like, all right, I'm, you know, like, like you're going to do something big in your life. You're going to do a job interview. Uh, are you going to like, you're going to climb a mountain or you're going to do something. You need to be, uh, it needs to motivate you. you. need to get you excited. You need to be like, I can't believe people think that, that I can't do that. I can't believe people would actually think that I'm going to lose this match. Like this is going to be hilarious when look how small I am and I beat this person. Um, um, that's the the that's the mindset to have, um, and it will give you that grit and that fire that you need. Um, but the same thing, you, got, you know, still remain optimistic. Um, don't get like uh, cynical with that chip. Don't let the chip be so heavy on your shoulder that it makes you cynical. Um, yeah, uh, that's just a mindset little thing, mindset advice. Because a lot of people will see somebody bigger than them, and then they start uh, getting intimidated, and they're like, "Oh no, they're going to be so strong, they're going to be so fast, they're going to be this and that." And once you start uh, doing that self talk to yourself, you're just weakening yourself, and you're making it uh, harder for you to win. And you're you just you're just weakening yourself. You will you'll um start you'll shoot yourself in the foot. You'll make it so that you cannot win if you do that to yourself. Um, yeah, that's it. So. Little tips, 48 minutes. Um, hopefully this helps you out. If you're going against Goliath, you got David versus Goliath matchup. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Um, think about those things. A lot of things in those to unpack. Um, so, um, yeah, hopefully this helps you out. If uh, if you're at this stage and you're trying to figure out David versus Goliath, and uh, this, is a, this is a common topic, so I could do probably two or three more podcasts on the same thing with different pieces. So just first one, introductory. Um, Hopefully you liked it. Uh, see everybody at the grappling games tomorrow. And then if uh, if you're not going to the grappling games to go compete or go watch, then uh, see everybody on Monday. Um, we gotta should have a good lesson plan uh, for Monday and uh, get some good good get some good training in. So see everybody on Monday or everybody at the grappling games. Uh, good luck to everybody who's competing tomorrow. And uh, I will see you in the morning at the tournament. See you. See you.